supply isn't meeting demand when it comes to Taiwan's contract semiconductor foundry businesses amid a global chip shortage. Since last year, companies like UMC and Powerchip have raised their prices by at least 20 percent. And the rumor in industry circles is that there will be another price increase of 15 percent in May. TSMC, which has never raised its prices, is also expected to adjust them upwards by a cool 30 percent. Analysts say this will likely lead to price increases in related upstream and downstream industries, such as packaging and testing. With the proliferation of remote work brought about by the pandemic, contract chipmakers have been stretched to the limit. According to reports, contract manufacturers UMC, VIS and Powerchip have all increased their prices of 8-inch wafers, which are experiencing the greatest demand, by 20% or more since last year. Reports also say they'll raise their prices by another 15% in May. There are also reports that even TSMC will increase its chip prices and the raise may be as high as 30%. There may be volatile price fluctuations. This is a manufacturing technology that's already mature. It's something that you can do and I can do. Therefore, once the economy starts to improve, prices may easily go up. UMC has already reportedly raised its prices twice. So when TSMC adjusts its prices upwards, it won't sound to people like it's out of place. There have been continuous reports of swelling prices from upstream contract chip makers. However, supply is also tight for downstream industries, such as packaging and testing, memory chips, panels and passive components. Some in the industry say that as soon as they produce the goods, customers immediately snap them up, and the shortness in supply will continue until at least the middle of this year. This affects the entire supply chain. For example, the ASE group, Qingyuan Electronics Co, or downstream semiconductor packages, Tongxing Electronics Industries and Fevit. These kinds of companies in the downstream, or makers of specific niche products, are raising prices across the board. The soaring chip prices have been widely reported. In response to these reports, TSMC issued a statement saying that it wouldn't comment on the orders from its customers, while UMC stressed that the price increases reflected market forces. As the nation faces the ongoing drought, water-saving devices have become a hot commodity and sales have increased by over 40 percent. The most popular items in particular have been gadgets used in the bathroom, including those that reduce water usage in toilets, valves placed on taps, and water-saving showerheads. According to the latest statistics, a person uses the toilet seven times a day on average, and one flush uses up eight liters of water, meaning each person consumes a daily average of 56 liters of water just from toilet usage. However, put in a water-saving device, you end up using just 3.5 liters of water at a time. This converts to a saving of 48 metric tons of water a year, which is equivalent to the amount of water in a swimming pool. Well, the sunny weather this weekend brought out the crowds on Taipei's Yamingshan, where calla lilies are in bloom. The Central Weather Bureau says the good weather will last for a week. On Monday, the highs in the north will approach 30 degrees, and the central and southern regions will be even hotter. 
However, due to the southeasterly winds and the leeward location of the western regions, air quality will be poor on the western half of the island. Rain won't return until Saturday when the next wave of northeasterly winds arrives. Walking along a ditch through the fields, these people spotted their target, freshly blooming calla lilies. After a strong tug, the flowers were in their hands. Other people took photos standing in the sea of flowers. Thanks to the warm winter this year, at least 80% of the calla lilies at Judzuhu and Yangmingshan have blossomed earlier than normal. Many people brought their whole families here to get a taste of pastoral life. Business is not as good as before due to the pandemic. The crowds are being controlled, so are the numbers of people. People aren't allowed to gather in groups. Visitor numbers have been reduced by more than half this year, but the rare showing of the sun this weekend brought people up to the mountain, where they wanted to be the first to witness the blooming flowers. In the coming days, the weather is expected to get hotter and hotter. The Central Weather Bureau forecasts that starting on Monday, daytime temperatures in northern Taiwan will come close to 30 degrees, and the central regions will see even higher temperatures. However, due to unfavourable dispersion conditions, smog will be a problem. Next weekend, we'll see the arrival of the next wave of northeasterly winds, and the mercury will drop in northern regions. Coupled with sporadic rainfall, Taiwan's air quality will also improve. Temperatures for the coming five days will be comfortable and warm. The wind will be relatively weak, blowing in from an eastern and southeastern direction. The western side of Taiwan, which is in the leeward side, will see less air dispersion, and that can lead to accumulation of air pollutants. After Saturday, air dispersion conditions in the northern regions will gradually improve. Spring weather patterns are prone to drastic changes, with air pollution looming. The public is advised to wear a mask before going outside. Four Taiwanese fruits have qualified for the Tokyo Olympics. Last March, the organizing committee approved Taiwan-grown bananas for sale to athletes. Now, approval has also been granted for pineapples, mangoes and dragon fruit grown according to the TGAP 2020 Plus standard, which stands for Taiwan Good Agricultural Practices Plus. The TGAP 2020 Plus requires sustainable farming practices, such as the safe use of pesticides and food traceability. The Council of Agriculture plans to publish the process for certification in the coming days for farmers interested in selling fruit to the Tokyo Olympics. When conservationist Li Wenzhen's husband died in 2014, she took over his life's work of protecting a Tainan marshland and the birds that inhabit it. The pesticides used by local farmers had devastated the area's population of pheasant-tailed jacanas. Li blamed the pesticides for the death of her husband, who lost his battle to lung cancer at 48 years old. She was determined to carry on his legacy and protect the wildlife he loved. But along the way, she also discovered how to work with local farmers, helping them abandon the use of pesticides and to thrive commercially at the same time. We meet her today in our Sunday special report. Hello, 
所以他们体温都凉了。凉了。哦，好。Lee, who heads Tainan's Pheasant Tail Jacana Conservation Park, is at the park on a Sunday morning, hosting families who have come to pick watercolor trips. With a motherly air, Lee walks about busily checking up on everyone. So, Wen Yang Yin, 到时是规个中级买家，阿领教怎么？ The industrious Lee was honored with a special title in 2020 when the Forestry Bureau formally recognized her achievements as a conservationist. The bureau honored Lee for restoring the population of pheasant-tailed jacanas that live in the park's watercolor marsh. Lee first set out on her journey as a conservationist in 2014 after her husband Wang Rongxuan succumbed to cancer. 来过吗？没有哦，那怎么会知道我们这边呢？刚好搜寻到，啊？刚好搜寻到，哦，那你好巧哎。It took Lee six years to get back to feeling like herself. This park was once her husband's place of work. Now it is where Lee is realizing his unfulfilled ambitions. Her husband Wong, who majored in biology, was such an avid bird enthusiast that others teasingly nicknamed him the Bird God. He was an impassioned advocate for the conservation of pheasant-tailed jacanas. In the 1990s, pheasant-tailed jacanas had been placed on the protected species list, and only roughly 30 of the birds remained nationwide. To make matters worse, an extension of the high-speed rail line was built through the birds' habitat. To make up for the destruction to the habitat, in 2000, officials and civic groups collaborated to establish a conservation area in Tainan's Guantian district. When work on conservation began, Wong was one of the experts to join the efforts. In 2009, the conservation park hired Wong as a consultant to check on its progress. That year, the chicks at the park showed progress in their growth, and a record 200 pheasant-tailed jacanas now live there. However, half of them unexpectedly died. When he began to investigate the area around the park, he found 85 birds that had died from poisoning. He discussed the issue with the park's director and asked if there was any way the situation could be fixed. He and his colleagues collected the dead birds and began investigating the cause of the deaths. Finally, the team found their answer. The birds had been poisoned by rice. Local farmers, hoping to make use of the land after the caltrop harvest, had converted farmland into rice paddies. Some spread the seeds directly onto their fields, but to prevent birds from eating the seeds, they soaked the seeds in toxic pesticide beforehand. After uncovering the cause of the deaths, Wong began racking his brain for a solution that could allow farmers to make a living without causing harm to wildlife. 在那个时候，你如果去叫农民不要用毒饵。At the time, if he'd gone to the farmers and asked them not to use pesticide, that would have been a very serious thing because it's like telling someone to starve. So he went out there and looked after the fields himself. He would take a flag and stand there waving it. He would be there until he had to work at nine o'clock, and then his colleague would go there in his place. When it got dark out and everyone was off work, he would go back out there again. Standing in the fields, whenever a bird would approach, Wong would begin vigorously waving the flag. 
He hoped this small exertion of energy could defend against the harm caused by traditional farming practices. At the same time, Wong paid out of pocket to have farmers turn the soil on their fields. We asked the farmers if they could turn over the soil so that the poisonous pesticide would be buried underneath the topsoil. We hired some farmhands and worked together with them to cover up the pesticide so that it wasn't exposed on the surface where birds could eat it. Through Wong's efforts, the park's pheasant-tailed jacana population recovered to over 200 birds each year. However, after years of working in the fields, breathing air mixed with poisonous pesticide, in 2014, Wong lost his battle with lung cancer and passed away. He may have breathed in too much pesticide, which later led him to developing cancer. When he got sick, I kept telling him not to give up and leave me, because everything I had was because of him. When his daughter was born, Wong once said he hoped that by the time she grew up, it would be possible for her to run into pheasant-tailed jacanas throughout Taiwan. This was the dream that Lee wholeheartedly embraced. Roughly two months after Wong passed away, she stepped into his shoes to lead the conservation park. But reinvigorated by her new role, Lee decided to chart a different path from that of her husband. Lee spoke with farmers one by one, convincing them not to use pesticide and to adopt wildlife-friendly farming practices. For the sake of their own health and the benefit of the ecosystem, she hoped farmers would give up using pesticide. But first, she had to help them enhance the marketing in order to guarantee their income. One farmer, Ling Binghuo, parted with Lee in her efforts. Wenzhen introduced me to everyone. She believed that what I was doing was worth believing in, and that my philosophy was the same as theirs. She introduced me to different companies, bringing lots of corporate orders to me. After the farmers gave up pesticides, Lee worked with them on tackling plant disease and harmful insects, coming up with safe solutions and gathering resources. She knows the bosses of many companies. She'll inform them of the types of difficulties we encounter. Distributors will send us their products to test out, to see if those products will do what we need. In the area around the conservation park, Lee works with local farmers to bring change. At the park, she encourages visitors to eat water caltrops and teaches children about the value of the plant. If more people eat caltrops, farmers can continue planting them, and at the same time, the pheasant-tailed jacanas that live in the caltrop marshes will have a place to live. It isn't just the pheasant-tailed jacanas. Lee is passionate about the whole ecosystem. She works with farmers to introduce changes she wants to see implemented. She has a strong sense of responsibility toward this place. When there was a severe labor shortage in the marsh, she threw herself fully into the work there. She is the same as us farmers. She does the same work. She even does the more difficult tasks, 
working to the point of having calluses on both hands and being blackened with dirt. In the space where Wong had devoted hours of his time, Lee uses the tools once held by her late husband, stepping into the shoes he left behind. Whenever she feels lost, she opens his notebook for another read, or rewatches old footage of him as she tries to find her way. I go and watch the videos to see if the approach I'm taking is correct. Otherwise, I may be rushing forward, but rushing in the wrong direction. Sometimes we can't make sense of a problem, but want to find an answer. In such cases, I will look at the videos and find the answer within. A tale of the process of healing, Lee's journey as a conservationist saw the restoration of a whole population of birds and the transformation of a poisoned land to one of sustainability and progress.